This is Richard Ellis Talks with founding pastor of Reunion Church in the heart of downtown Dallas, Richard Ellis. This is a place for encouragement and hope as Richard challenges us to continue to grow in Jesus. And all month long, he's focused on holiday themes as we share the 25 Talks of Christmas. Now, if you're not able to stay with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up on the 25 Talks of Christmas Advent Calendar on the website, richardellistalks.com. Every talk can be listened to whenever you're ready on your own time at richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is, What Child Is This? If you got kids, it's almost impossible When your first child is born, any of these children are born, you hold them in your arms and you look into their eyes, you spend hours trying to get them to smile, and finally after about three months they do. But it's almost impossible to look at your own children and not say, what child is this? Especially if you're a Christian. And when the day finally came that all of our children were saved, there's no way to explain unless you're a believer and you've got children It's not that the job is done, but you know that you're going to get out of here alive, that you will exit the planet as a family, a forever family. And then you start praying. If they decide to marry, you start praying for their spouses, that they will choose wisely and that those people will be believers. But all along the way with these children and asking this question, what child is this? You say, okay, Lord, you let this child make it into the world. What is your plan for this child? This is a very dangerous country for unborn children still. And my sister actually sent me a little deal that said something to the effect of, isn't it interesting that a fetus was the first to worship him, the first to leap for joy in a womb at the presence of Jesus in another womb. But if you make it out of the womb and you're born and God has plans for you to be born again, then there's a plan. And I don't care how screwed up your life has been, he's got a purpose, he's got a plan. And in my own life and the lives of countless people that I spend time with, he is a redeemer, right? He can take your pile of you know what, and you say, well, Lord, look at the mess I've made. This is all I've got to show for my life. He says, just give me even that. And then he takes a seed and shoves it in that manure and brings something of it. Give him what you've got, even if you think it's it's less than nothing. So when we read the story about Jesus, and as the song says, what child is this? Describing what the shepherds might have thought and said when they got there and saw him. I mean, who is this baby? And I'd like to start in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We read this along the way. If you've never seen this, it's extraordinary. And this foretells who this child will be. And for Mary, whether she could get her teenage brain around this, our best estimates are that she was a very young woman when Jesus was born to her, the Virgin Mary. Um, How could she look at this little baby and be aware whether she could comprehend it? As the other song says, this child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. So what child is this? This is what Isaiah 9, 6 says. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So in these shepherds, anybody who got a look into Jesus' eyes, even from birth, 
if they connected the dots, had to come up with, this is him. I'll tell you what child this is. This is the child. Now, we all think we got special kids, and they all wonder whether there's one that's favored or not. How many of you know which one of your child is your favorite child? Raise your hand. That is terrible. Don't do that, especially if they're here. I don't have any favorite children. All my children are my favorite children. I have a favorite wife, but no favorite children. No matter how extraordinary your child is, your child is not the child. And I'd like to also point out here, I'm not going to take the time to read 1 Samuel 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2, but there's a story here of a woman named Hannah. And she was barren, couldn't have any children. And she cried out to God so much that one day in the temple, Eli, the prophet, thought she was drunk and kind of chastised her. She's like, I'm not drunk. I'm calling out to God. And she promised to dedicate her son to the Lord if he would give her a son. And he did. And his name was Samuel. And he said, well, that's extraordinary. He must have been some kind of man. And Samuel was some kind of boy, some kind of man, some kind of prophet. But he was not the man He was not the way. He was not the truth. He was not the life. He was a man who did what God told him to do. So you cannot lump Jesus into just some pile and say he was a great teacher. He was more than a great teacher. You can say he was a great rabbi. He was loving. He was kind. He was all these things. He was powerful, all these things. He is so far above everybody else, and there is no one else worthy of worship. If you are a Christian, you are called to live a holy life. And if you're not living that holy life, you are A-W-O-L. You are a prisoner of war. You are out there, and if that's the case, and you're listening this far, you know that's true. And you have to do something about that. You have to go home. You have to repent. Not be taken captive anymore by Satan to do his will. You have to say, God, I don't want to live this way anymore. You say, well, yeah, but you're called to preach. Specifically, yes, that's what God called me to do. But he has called anybody who is a Christian is called to do something. You're called to exercise your gift. No one's any more or less special. And so you've got to figure out what that is and say, okay, God, let me do that. Now go to Luke chapter one. I'm going to go Luke and then we're going to go back to Matthew. But let's read through some of this and let me point out some of the differences here. Luke chapter one, let's start in verse five. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. So remember that, because people will say, well, you can't have kids, probably because you have sin in your life. Well, let's read that verse again both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. What prayer was heard? He was praying for his situation, no children, his wife. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. 
and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, not after he's born, even from the womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him, capital H-M, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn their hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now this sounds like somebody, right? This guy's got game. It's John the Baptist. You say, well, he must be extraordinary. Guarantee he was extraordinary. All this is going down right before Mary conceived Jesus in her womb. But as great as John the Baptist was, he is not Jesus. Jesus is still so far apart. Now go down to verse 26, same chapter. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. I'd say, yeah, the Lord's with you. You got picked. One woman in all of history, a virgin gets picked to carry the son of God. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. You're not in trouble. You found favor. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now listen to the description that she's given by Gabriel of who this child would be. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. It'll never end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born to you will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So who is this kid? What child is this? Go to Matthew chapter one. And it describes the birth of Jesus. We've read the story in Luke, how the conception would go down, the Holy Spirit come over Mary. And go to look at Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, in other words, had physical intimacy, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And let me just stop here and say something about this. You say, well, that's crazy stuff. I don't believe all that. You say, well, I believe in God. If you can start with that, I believe in God then if you believe in God, you believe he created all this. And if you believe he created all this, you're dealing with a God who says words and universes appear. The power of his word is mind boggling. Then why can the Holy Spirit not overshadow one virgin girl and a child be conceived in a virgin womb and be born? Be careful to not believe in God because of the impossible, because he does the impossible. When one of those songs was being sung earlier, Emmanuel, God with us. When Adam and Eve sinned and this place fell, we fell out of reach. Unless Jesus shows up, we are in big trouble. And he showed up way before I was ever born. I need a savior. I don't need another prophet. I don't need a teacher. I don't need somebody that can do some miracles. I need a savior. I need somebody that if I reach out to, he's already there. He's already reached out to me. And people don't believe this much anymore, it seems. And 
You'd say in my family, they poo-poo the whole God thing. Ah, there's nothing to that. You people are crazy. If you wake up one day and you know you're lost, you're going to need somebody to find you. And somebody's been looking for you. And his sweet name is Jesus. And I have a way out of here alive because he came in after us, born of a virgin, sinless life, died on a cross, buried, raised from the dead to make all this possible. So Matthew chapter 1, then Joseph, her husband, verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Like when she showed up pregnant, what's going on? I thought I knew this girl. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." for he will save his people from their sins. No prophet in the Old Testament could do that. John the Baptist could not do that. I cannot do that. I can tell you about a savior, but only Jesus is the savior. And he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And I think this is important. He called his name Jesus. It doesn't say they called his name Jesus. He was instructed, you name this kid Jesus. And that's his name. And that's what he did. If you encounter Jesus, your impulse is going to be to fall and worship him. It's not going to be a situation of, oh, I've heard a lot about you. Nice to meet you. You meet Jesus, you know you've met Jesus. It's hard to explain this unless you've met him. I met him at six. And even as a six-year-old, it is so simple. And you know he's presenting himself to you and saying, look, you need me. And you need what's being offered. I did die for you, buried, raised from the dead. But I'm telling you the whole time, at six years old, the whole time Jesus was talking to me, someone else was talking to me. And I didn't hear any audible voices, but a six-year-old little boy sitting on a front pew of a church, my feet could not reach the ground, but there were two people battling over my little soul. And the other one was saying, you don't need this. Now, why would the enemy come so strong after a six-year-old? You're okay. You're going to be fine. You don't need to respond to this. And at six, I knew in my little brain and my little heart that there were two forces battling over my soul and I had to make a decision. And I realized that one did not mean me well. One was not out to help me, but the other one loved me. And it had been explained to me that Jesus died on a cross and it was buried and raised from the dead to save me. And I jumped to Jesus. It's the best decision I've ever made in my whole life. Jump to Jesus. Because you can't save yourself. No one else can save you. And you still may say, I get this every once in a while, you get really emotional. When are you going to get emotional? I got three daughters. I would give none of them to die for any of you. Not going to happen. You say, well, that's terrible. No, it's not. I'm a dad. So what kind of fool father who could have come himself makes a decision to send his only begotten son to the planet and let him die? It just seems so crazy as a dad to me. And it turns out it was the only way, but look how painful that way is. Look how much he loves you. Look how much he cares about you. And how could you reject so great a salvation? 
It is almost impossible for you to tell Jesus no if you know what Jesus did and what the Father did in your behalf. And I beseech you by the mercies of God to be reconciled and to say, God, I missed this somehow. I'm wrong. You're right. I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I do understand. I do believe Jesus died on that cross, was buried and raised from the dead. And I'm asking you to save me. And then at the end here to Luke chapter 2, and if you needed more confirmation, this babe, just to jump back in the story, the shepherds are out there. The angels show up. Verse 9, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you, this is not a bad thing, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So what's the big deal? For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the chosen one, the anointed one, the Messiah. He's on the planet. He's just over there. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, now what are the angels singing? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem, see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And by the way, it has been made known to you now. You have no excuse. And all the people that come to me all through the years and say, well, what about the people who have never heard? I don't, say, I don't know about them, but I know about you. You're not one of them. So do something about it. Stop worrying about them. And if you're so worried about them, maybe you need to get saved and become a missionary because you're already so worried about them. You're not even a Christian yet. So they came with haste, verse 18, found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. So what did the angel tell them? Go back up there and read it. What did they go around telling everybody? This is him. And all those who heard it marveled at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So they brought him to the temple according to the Old Testament. What was supposed to happen, as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, to say the least in his case, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem. Now look at this. A man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So he is a godly, patient man waiting for things to change in Israel. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So no matter how old he was, the Holy Spirit had told him, before you die, you will see the Messiah. And by the way, that is the plan for everybody. You better see him before you die. You better meet him before you die or it's too late. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the Christ child to do for him according to this custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, now imagine this old man, he's been blessing these kids all day, every day. He picks up this particular child, 
And he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. I can die in peace. This is the kid. This is the Messiah. This is him. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which are spoken by him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined to the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. So what is this all about? What child is this? This is the child. This is a child like no other. This is the son of God. And as the song, What Child Is This, says, this, this is Christ the King. Why do we do church? Why do we preach about these things? We are still announcing his birth. We are still announcing his life. We are still announcing his death, his burial, his resurrection, and the fact that you can be saved. You can be rescued. You can have the promise of heaven. My brother took me on a trip too far away recently, and... Had a great time together, and if you ever have a chance to meet my brother, I have no way to even explain this. I have no idea I'm, I'm even in the same family with this man. No one escapes my brother. If you want to know what your life is supposed to look like, spend some time with my brother, because everyone he meets, everyone, how can I pray for you? Shares the gospel with him. You say, well, that's not possible. You can't live a life like that. Oh, yeah, you can. Spend time with my brother. So between the two of us, you know, no one could escape. Um, we ended up in a Muslim country, and we were kind of nervous when we went in that, you know, there'd be persecution or whatever. He was talking to a bellman at a big hotel in that city and in that country, and finally the bellman, I think, was from Kenya, and he looked at my brother and he said, you're a born-again Christian, aren't you? When's the last time somebody asked you that question just out of nowhere? Because there's no other explanation. On that trip, I met a guy I grew up in Brazil. My brother and I grew up in Brazil. I met a guy from Brazil. I mentioned something about playing golf. You can flush out golfers by just saying golf, and then they, boom. It was hard to explain this to my brother. He's not a golfer. But I checked a bag, and I had a carry-on. And in my carry-on was my toothbrush, that stuff, my golf shoes and golf hats and balls and gloves and tees because, of course, I didn't want to go on a trip and lose that, right? So if you're a golfer, you understand that. You can lose all my stuff. I can't lose this because this is what I can do while you're trying to find my stuff. <laughs> so this guy, we set it up. We went and played golf one day, and he had grown up in Brazil, Lutheran, knew about Jesus, but didn't know Jesus. And we got done with the round. We're coming back into the clubhouse in the cart, and I had been talking to him in the golf course, and I said, have you ever done this? And he said, no, basically. And I said, would you like to? And he said, yes. And 6,000 miles away from my house, the same Jesus, same Jesus, whosoever will may come. So if you're lost, I know someone that is the way. If you've been lied to, I know someone who is the truth. 
And if you feel like you're dead already, I know a man who is the life. And he is the only way to the Father. But he can get you there and get you out alive. What child is this? It is the child, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, available to all. Thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. So many people like you tell us that Richard's unique way of boiling down God's truths and making his word clear and easy to apply to our daily life is what sets this program apart from everything else on your radio, helping to reach everyone together with God's good news. In fact, reaching everyone together is not only Pastor Richard's ministry mission, but it's also the mission that Jesus commands each believer when he gave us our marching orders in Mark 16, 15, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So that's what these daily talks are all about, to encourage and equip us to be a light of hope to others this Advent season. Now, during the 25 Talks of Christmas this month, it's a different holiday-themed program each and every day. So if you miss any previous Christmas talk, just click on the daily Advent calendar at richardellistalks.com to listen to, download, or share any of these Christmas talks. It's right there on the homepage at richardellistalks.com. And while you're on the website, be sure to surf around for hundreds of other encouraging audio and video talks, tons of interesting blogs, or to submit a request on the prayer wall, or to follow us on social at Talk With Richard, and much more. It's all right there at richardellistalks.com, alongside the Daily Christmas Talks Advent Calendar. So as we wrap up, thank you for listening today, and thank you for praying for Richard. As we look forward to coming alongside you again for the next of our 25 Talks of Christmas on Richard Ellis Talks.